the story is told of the Chofetz uh, Chaim. I think he commented on the uh, invention of uh, the railroad. And uh, the Chofetz Chaim reflected on everything from a vantage point of, of Hashkocha, from a vantage point of Torah, and it said that the, the, the invention of the, of the railroad was clearly intended for Yeshiva Bachim when they were going home, Ben Azmanim, that it shouldn't be the time-consuming and arduous journey that it had been uh, until that point, that this would make it so much easier for Yeshiva Bachim without uh, Tiltuli Hadarach, without Bittal Torah to be able to go home for, for Ben Azmanim. A similar comment I think is ascribed to the Chafetz Chaim with regard to, I don't know whether it was uh, the gramophone or, or tape recorders, whatever it was that, that, that had been invented already in his day, that the Chafetz Chaim said that the, the, the point of the invention was to give us some sense of what it means the sense that uh, whatever a person says has a record of. So that, that was, we, we have a very graphic image that we can relate to of that in, in the form of, uh, of, of, of the tape recorder in the form of, of the records. So every, every the, the point is that, that every virtually every technological advance can be used, it can be used productively in, 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 and integrated into a life of Torah Hashem, of Avodah Hashem. It can also be abused. So that the quince is to know how to use it and, and not, to, not to abuse it. The, the major issue which uh, the, the, the new devices, I'm, I'm told that they're called the Blackberries, um, but one of the major issues which this clearly brings into focus is the relationship between work and, uh, and life, life as a whole, and the place that one's uh, work and, and, and work commitments should have within, within one's life. In that context, I'd just like to read read with you a few lines in the, from the second parak in the Mesir Sisharim. Mesir Sisharim is commenting on, on one of the uh, strategies of the Yetz Sahara, he says, is to try to constantly preoccupy people. One of its strategies and, and, and its uh, cunning approach to constantly keep, keep people busy. With the with the, the intended result of that people are simply so busy that there's no time to think. That if a person is, is busy 24/7, there's no time to think. There's no time to reflect. There's no time to sort of stand back and and, and, and consider in what direction a person is heading. The Yitzchak is determined to accomplish that. The Yitzchak knows that that if we would only take a little time to reflect on, on, uh, on our path in life, we would make all kinds of uh, changes. We'd, we would introduce all kinds of changes into our lives if we only had the time, found the time, took the time to, to reflect on, on our routine. 
And he says that this this approach of the Yetzirah is Me'ain Atzas Parohorasha. That in this respect, the Yetzirah is really simply uh, imitating, following in the footsteps of Parohorasha. Shenema Tichbet HaAvoda Al HaNoshim when, when Moshe and Aaron come to Paro and, and, and say that uh, we want to go for, for a three day uh, a three day holiday and, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll offer Kavanos HaKadosh Baruch Hu so Paro's response is to say let's uh, increase the workload So and, and what will that accomplish that they won't be able to turn they won't be able to occupy their minds with anything other than work a similar pshat in, in these psukim is suggested by, by the Vilna Gon. At the beginning of Pasha's Va'era, when Moshe Rabbeinu communicates to Klal Yisrael HaKadosh Baruch Hu's message of the Talud L'Shana Shel Gula so the Torah says V'lashamu Moshe that the B'nai Yisrael were not responsive to, to Moshe Rabbeinu's message and the reason is Mikot Zeruach Kasha Kasha means literally the, 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 the manual labor the back-breaking manual labor what's the Kotzeruach? so the Gaon says something very similar to what the Mesil Sisharim here says the Hainu what is it that power was looking to accomplish at the end of Pasha Shmos when he said that, that, that you're no, no longer going to be provided with tevin, with straw from which to make the bricks. The, the gathering straw relative to the, to the back-breaking labor which was already imposed upon them was very light and, and, and relatively speaking easy work. So what was Paro looking to accomplish? So the Quran says that Paro knew that they were already being pushed to the limit in, in terms of the, the, the physical strain and stress which was being imposed upon them and, and that he couldn't increase that without killing them. He didn't want to kill off his uh, his, his uh, slave uh, workforce. But Paro thought if they're coming and they're asking to go and they still have aspirations, they still have uh, they still think, they still dream, so then that's dangerous. So what we have to do is keep them so busy that they can't think, that they can't have uh, aspirations, that they can't have longings. We'll keep them so busy so then that will secure the, the, the avdus that will secure my hold over them and that's what the Kotzeruach is and Parotak has succeeded and that's what the Torah tells us it wasn't only a function of the Avodah it wasn't only the, the back-breaking labor which caused B'nai Yisrael not to be responsive to Moshe Rabbeinu but it was the, the, the Kotzeruach which Paro had successfully successfully triggered. So clearly the the, the, the the ability to always be in touch, to always be able to, to check on on, the, on emails and and and, uh, and 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 stock quotes and, and this and that clearly clearly represents a, a danger perhaps an inevitability at a certain point of, of Kotzer Ruach that, that one is just so so busy and so preoccupied there's no time to think no time to think no time to reflect and because of that so a person continues on whatever path he is without ever taking a stock to see whether or not he's, uh, he's, he's, he's on the right path or whether or not there's some adjustment that needs to be made now there is a second concern also with this ability to, to constantly be in touch. And that is, Chazal tell us that 
that a person is supposed to a person is supposed to establish Torah as the mainstay in his life. And Malacha, although clearly clearly the Torah has a work ethic and the Torah says that we're supposed to we're supposed to make Yishtablus to work for a living, but that's not supposed to be the mainstay of, of our existence. Now, now the word keva has, has different meanings. It, it could mean, keva sometimes can mean keva in, in just in a purely quantitative sense. But other times, and, and uh, the, the phrase my father Zuchan used to use in this context is that when Chazal tells us, what it means is axiologically keva. It means that this is the most important thing in a person's life. Depending upon uh, the, the job a person has, so probably most people spend more time at work than, than they're able to spend in the base medrash. Now that's not necessarily a, a violation of a say because Tarasakeva means what's the most important thing in a person's life? Why am I working? What's the what's the end game? What's the end goal of the working? So the, you, you can't necessarily measure whether a person's Torah is keva and his malacha arai quantitatively by, by how many hours he spends in the office versus how many hours he spends in the base madrash because it's more a function of, of, of attitude in terms of in terms of importance, in terms of weight, in terms of value to what does a person assign primacy. So it has to be keva in an axiological sense. Now that the, the, the truth of that notwithstanding, at a certain point if a person is always, always in touch, if a person is always mindful of checking into work, checking emails, checking what, what's, uh, what the latest uh, developments are in, in whatever relates to his, uh, his professional area of, of responsibilities, again, it's almost inevitable that it has to evolve into malacha becoming keva, again, not only in a quantitative sense, but in an axiological sense as well. And that's because of the, 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 the well-known behavioral principle which the Rambam and the Sefer Chinuch established. The Rambam writes at the end of Parakalf and Hilchus Deus, the Rambam says that if, if a person wants to wants to instill within himself, he wants to cultivate within himself the the Mitahamimutsas, the, the middle path between the, the two extremes. So the, the Rambam says, how, do, how, does he, how does he accomplish it? So the Rambam says, by acting that way, a person may have to initially force himself, and it may take a very determined, conscious effort to force himself onto the middle path. But if a person again and again and again forces himself to act in a certain way, it ultimately becomes second nature, and he internalizes it. Let's say a person has wants to learn how to control his temper. So ultimately, what a person wants to do is he wants to control his emotions, that he wants that inwardly that, that he become. But it begins that if a person forces himself again outwardly to control himself, to control his reaction, to, 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 to bite his tongue and, and not to vent and, and, not to, and not to manifest the reaction, ultimately the Rambam tells us that that translates into an inner calm as well. That the way a person acts time and time again, so through that repeated reinforcement, so that cultivates the, the, the trait within a person. And that's the, the famous principle 
of the of the Sefer Achinuch of Achrei Apulos Nimshachem Halavavos that it's through again the reinforcement of, of repeated action that that we internalize different different midas. So at a certain point, it becomes impossible to to withstand that effect and that influence. If a person because he has the the, the, the gadget, he has the technology in his pocket in, in in his palm to always be in touch and and always has that in mind so even if initially it's done with the right mindset again of Taraso Keva and Malach Torah that axiologically the only reason I'm working is because there's a work ethic in the Torah and because there's so many mitzvahs that I'm going to accomplish with the money I earn in terms of sending my children to yeshiva and in terms of Hachzakas Torah V'chulu V'chulu but eventually Eventually, it becomes second nature that a person is just oriented towards his work. And at that point, Torah is no longer keva, is no longer axiologically central to his life, but it comes melach Torah. This is a, 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 a poignant, but, but rather painful irony in, 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 in that progression. Again, you, you, you'll, you'll, you'll all recall the, the, the famous comment of, of Tosus and Brachas when Tosus asks, why is it that, that every time we go into the sukkah to eat, so we make a new leshev sukkah? Breakfast, lunch, supper, there's a new leshev sukkah. But every time you open a sefer, so if you, if you learned dafyomi uh, before or after shachris, and then you have another seder during lunch, and then you have another seder at night, you don't make a new bikasatar each time. So Tosus answers, because shiny Torah, that ain't no miyayish daito mimenu. That a person never takes his mind off of learning. I mean, Hitaka went to the office, and Hitaka had to focus on other things, but in the back of his mind, maybe consciously, maybe subliminally, on, on whatever level of consciousness, the person has in mind that he's, he's coming back to, to, to learn. The, the, um, the Nefesh HaChayim has a... a uh, a very high and, and uh, exacting standard. He says that when Rabbi Shmuel says, when the Torah tells us that we should have a job and that we should pursue a, a, a livelihood, so the Nefesh HaChaim's understanding of that phrase of is that really he says we should be thinking and learning even while at work. Okay, that's a pretty... Uh, a pretty challenging standard to try to meet but even if one isn't going to meet that standard but, but clearly in terms of what, what the primacy is and what one's uh, general and overall orientation is, it's quite clear there's a very beautiful account there's an, uh, there's an edition of, of Nefesh HaChayim with uh, some very very edifying notes in the bottom from Rav Goldberg from the Telzi Yeshiva so he quotes in this context an autobiographical comment from the Chayu Adam Chayu Adam writes that, that he says he was in business for, for many years he was, a, he was a businessman for many years and he says so sometimes I had a, I had to travel in, in, in context of my uh, in context of my business but nevertheless I didn't lose the, the Torah that I learned and why is that because when I was traveling, I was I was thinking about the Veta and when I was sitting in in the store and and uh, attending to customers. Again, I was thinking about Divei Torah. 
He says, and, and even dealing with customers, he says, at times I was I was thinking about a certain uh, kasha or a certain uh, a certain pshat. The the the, the, the irony that that. Again, the, the ideal being that even when working, a, 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 a person is really oriented and is really never distracted from Divrei Torah, so that gets reversed. And, and with the technology, so even when a person is away from work and even when a person is learning, so his mind is never really away from, uh, from, from, his, from his work. But maybe one will sort of counter, okay, so that's all fine and good. It's nice, uh, nice divay musa, but it, it's impractical. The reality of the, of, of, of the work market today is that these, uh, these devices do exist. And because of that, there's an expectation from one's uh, employer that one remain in touch all the time. And that one, uh, so it, it's fine and good to say that you have to turn it off. And that they have to be, you have to leave at a certain time. And you have to turn it off, and then you have to go home, and you have to learn with your kids, and you have to go to the base medish, and you have to do what you're supposed to be doing. But go tell that to my boss. Go then tell them to my boss. It's impossible. So, in response, I think there are two perspectives that, that we should think about. First of all, the, the um, but when we talk about what's possible or, or impossible, so it would seem that that, that there's a rather there should be a rather definite and uh, objective meaning to that term of what's possible, what's impossible. But experience tells us that that's not necessarily the case. That's, I think that the Mishnah Bura in, in Bir Halacha quotes from the, the Poskim that when you have to when you have to assess the um, a, a patient to know whether or not he can fast on Yom Kippurim, so the the Rav the Morehora, so obviously he needs the, the input of 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 the doctor of the Rofei Mumche Ba'oso Mokam Zman, but especially if the doctor is either not Jewish or if he is Jewish but, uh, but not Shomer Torah Mitzvah so the, the Rav has to weigh very carefully what it is the doctor is telling him so why is that? the doctor is just giving a simple medical opinion how will this person's condition be impacted by the, by the Tanus of Yom Kippur? so how does, uh, how does his uh, how do his religious sensibilities affect that objective professional opinion so the answer is again that that and and any 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 rov if you ask any rov any mother who 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 deals with these shilas so i'm sure that that uh, that, that they'll tell you that inevitably what's possible or impossible is affected by subjective considerations if yom kippur is some some right which uh, orthodox jews have so then certain things it looks like it's impossible and absolutely unacceptable for this cholet to fast on Yom Kippur if Yom Kippur is a mitzvah Hashem if Yom Kippur is kivayom hazeh yechaper aleichem so then again it's still it's still uh, a question of whether or not the cholet can or cannot fast but all of a sudden what's possible or impossible changes so our use of possible or impossible often reflects a certain subjectivity that we're not aware of. 
And in, in another context in which we see it in, in Maisim B'chol Yom, you ask people sometime whether or not they're able to daven B'tzibor two, three times a day. So the answer often is no. And sometimes attack is that case. When the same people become uh, become Avelim, they become a Chiyuv, and... and, and uh, for kibir of aim, so that they want to say kaddish. So echshu, it becomes possible. How did it become possible all of a sudden? Because sometimes the, the the line between possible and impossible, even though we're not uh, aware of it, we're not conscious of it, reflects a certain a certain subjectivity. So I think that the first perspective that we need in terms of when this objection is raised, that it's all fine and good to say that a person has to be able to turn these devices off at a certain time, and a person has to be disconnected from work. Yes? to be disconnected from the office and he has to be focused and all the other uh, responsibilities that a Ben Torah has in life, is it possible? So a person has to look at, at, at the definition of, of possible and impossible. I think we're all familiar with, with anecdotes. If we're not, then Chava, Chava Islay, so our friends, our friends' friends, familiar with an anecdote. You hear about people who, who have a, a health scare, whether it's a heart attack or a fall alarm of a heart attack and the doctor tells them that unless you slow down so you're going to work yourself into the grave and then even though even though yesterday it was impossible for this person to cut back it was impossible for this person to find a way to be disconnected for, for several hours from the uh, from the pressure of work. So it becomes possible. So the, the, in, in, in weighing whether or not it's possible or impossible within our current job or by switching jobs, so we have to look very carefully at... at, at what we what we label as possible or impossible, and whether or not the the determination and the desire to make it possible is strong enough. Now that's one perspective. The other perspective I think emerges from consideration of a very 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 central topic in our lives, and that's the the role of betochen uh, in, in in how we go about our lives. Meaning as follows. The, the Gemara in Beitzah tells us in the beginning of the second parak, the Kol Mizanosav Shal Adam Ktsuvan Lo Me Rosh Hashanah Ad Yom Kippur. That Hakadosh Baruch Hu, when he uh, when he makes the the Din for the coming year, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, so Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Hakadosh uh, Baruch Hu fills out our ten forties. Then the ten forty for the coming year is already. Uh, I don't know if all the deductions are filled out. That's up to us in terms of uh, in terms of how much stucco we're going to give. But in terms of the uh, the, the total income before you get to the deductions so that's already been filled out uh, long before April 15th who decides how much panosa a person should have for the coming year and that's when HaKadosh Baruch Hu uh, decrees on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Now, it's certainly the case that HaKadosh Baruch Hu stipulates that He wants us to make Hishtadlus. That, that, that Panos HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, it's, it's, it's my desire to give it to you, but I'm going to give it to you through 
natural channels, seemingly natural channels. So we can't sit home and and uh, and wait for someone to give us a birthday present of of a, of a lottery ticket and that we're going to win the lottery. But we have to make hishtablas. However, we have to know that at the that at the end of the day, the hishtablas is is a condition for Hakadosh Baruch Hu bestowing the, the parnasa. The hishtablas is not a cause and effect in 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 the sense that one would think from a natural perspective. And that's a, a fundamental, fundamental uh, belief of ours. Part of uh, part of our belief in Hashkachah practice. Now the question is, what practical implications, if any, does this have? Given the fact that we are required to make established, given the fact that we're not supposed to be passive, and we're not supposed to just assume, well, it's Hakadosh Baruch Hu's responsibility to figure out how to get it to us. No, Hakadosh Baruch Hu said it's our responsibility to open those channels. So are there any practical implications to the fact that we believe that it's not that, that, that what we're doing is determining our livelihood, but that it's rather, again, a condition of Hishtadlis Baruch Hu to provide us with Parnassah. So clearly, the attitude it is... There's a very major difference in attitude that we're supposed to perceive what we're doing in that light, in the light of Hishtadlis, not in the light of Kolchi Otsam Yodi. But are there any practical implications? So Rabbeinu Bachian in Chovas Alvavos actually gives a couple of practical differences between whether or not we view what we're doing as Hishtadlus, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu stipulates, or whether what we're doing is Kolchi Ve'otzim Yodi, it's going to be my resourcefulness, which will determine, which will dictate, and which will generate the, the, the Parnasa on a totally natural, on a total nat, totally natural Plain. So one, one, one story that the Ben Abachya tells, and he tells it as though it's a Maisa Shehoya, and I don't know, p- presumably it was, um, he tells a story about a Chassid Echad, um, who I guess was in, in engaged in, in the medieval equivalent of uh, import-export business. So to do that, he used to have to travel uh, ocean voyages uh, regularly. And uh, so Yordi Hayom, was what was it was an occasion it was it was a life threatening uh, undertaking every time a person traveled on an ocean voyage so the Venebachia tells the story how someone met, the, met this Chassid Echad and he says to this Chassid Echad where do you think your Panasa comes from? So he says, my Panasa comes from the Yibam Shalom. He says, you, you don't uh, determine it? You don't dictate it? No, it comes from the Yibam Shalom. So, so he says to the Chassid Echad but, you, but the way you live isn't consistent with what you say. So the Chassid says, how so? So he answers him, so what do you think? That HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the only way HaKadosh Baruch Hu can channel Panasa to you is by your risking life and limb for Panasa. You don't think HaKadosh Baruch Hu can find some other channel without your risking your life for the Panasa? And the Chassid says to him, you're right. And from that day, the Chassid, uh, he gave up that business and he went into another business where he wasn't risking his life constantly to, to, to make his Hishtadus for Panasa. So that's one practical difference between a belief that what we're doing is in, in, in determining and acquiring our panosa, or whether it's, it's hishtablus which HaKadosh Baruch Hu requires he absolutely requires, but it's a hishtablus which is a condition, a precondition for his giving us the panosa but then earlier in Shara Bitochan Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar has another difference and he says that the difference will be 
that, that if this, it's Kofi Ve'otzim Yadi, it's hard to know where to draw the line. It's hard to know that, that maybe I, my, my involvement in, in seeking Panasa should be very extreme to the point of, of, of being uh, obsessive. And he says explicitly that if a person's belief if a person has that sense of betachan, that the panosa comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so then his hishtadlus won't be exaggerated. It won't be excessive. It won't be obsessive. So the second perspective in terms of, is it possible in, 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 today's, in today's world, is that a person has to have betachan. Again, not, not betachan to say I'm going to sit home in my living room and, and wait for, the, and, and wait for the, 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 the paycheck to come. But betachan... That if I'm determined uh, to establish certain boundaries, that I should be able to live a balanced life of Avodah Hashem, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu can find the way to, to channel the Parnassah to me. Very briefly, just to touch on, on, on a couple of other areas in, in which the, uh, the, the technology uh, intrudes uh, upon our lives. It, it's not uncommon. A few weeks ago, I mentioned to, uh, to a friend of mine that, uh, that I was supposed to speak on this topic. So he said to me, well, one thing you have to say is, you have to alert people to the fact that sometimes he says, you're talking with someone, and you're talking with someone, and he's standing there with his, uh, I don't know whether it's a regular cell phone or, or one of the more sophisticated devices, and I don't know what he's doing. He's, uh, he's checking his emails, he's responding to his emails, he's checking the, the, the forecast, he's, he's ordering a suit online, whatever it is he's doing. You're sitting there, and you're talking to him, and he's, uh, and he's punching the... I had forgotten about this. He had, uh, he had told me, you have to make sure to mention it. I'm telling you it happens all the time. So Pung today, I forgot about this. So Pung today, early this afternoon, I had such an experience with a, with a young man. It wasn't it wasn't a one-on-one conversation. It was a little uh, a group situation. And sure enough, he's sitting there with his phone, and uh, and again the phone or the BlackBerry, whatever it was, and and uh, doing whatever he was doing, but. The, the sense of bittel for the other person and, and, and the lack of midos of ben odom l'chavero is, uh, is, is something which on the one hand we've totally lost sight of but if you step back for a minute it's staggering staggering There are other areas of, of, of Ben Adam Lamakam also which are affected by the excessive use, almost addictive use of, 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 these, uh, of these technological devices. I mean, it goes without saying that, that to see someone in, in Shul doing Chazar uh, Sashat with, uh, with one of these uh, devices, it doesn't need to be uh, explained how inappropriate and wrong that is. It is worth commenting that it should be understood as a symptom of how unengaged and disengaged we are from davening if, if, if we don't just uh, feel 
a total contradiction between what we're supposed to be doing and, and the uh, manipulating the, 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 these devices during davening. And, and, and the symptom is worth uh, following up to find out how to treat uh, that problem of why we're so disengaged and, and why we, we, we don't relate to davening. But the truth is, even in leisure time, it's a problem. I once read, in the name of one of the Chachmei Umar Sa'olam, what I thought was a very insightful comment. He gave a definition of, of religion. Okay, I'm, obviously, to, to give a one-sentence definition, I don't know, I guess you have to be Hillel, or, uh, but other, other than Hillel, you're certainly not going to get it totally right. So not, not, that, not that his answer was totally right, but he had an insight. And he said that religion is what, is what a person does when he's alone. So that's a way to, to get insight into a person's religious orientation or sensitivity is what a person does when he's alone. When a, when a person's alone, so does he feel alone with HaKadosh Baruch Hu? And can he deal with that? Can a person relate to being alone with HaKadosh Baruch Hu? We have a need. I'm not sure to what extent devices like the, the, the Blackberry create this need, I think it probably exacerbates the need and, and, and lets us very easily avoid confronting the problem. I don't think it, it, it creates the need, but it certainly exacerbates it and, and lets us hide behind it. So we tell ourselves, oh, now I can be efficient, I can take care of this and I can check that. But really, by manufacturing busyness for ourselves, so we never have, we never have a moment to be alone with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's something which is, is, is worthy of, of thinking of why is it that we can't be, or we don't know how to be alone with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with our thoughts about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to talk to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Uh, uh, uh. A, 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 an expression of, of, of vidui, of tshuva, a bakosha, a reaching out like a, a, a son to, to, to a father, and, and, and the, the constant manufacturing busyness, again, it, it highlights, it highlights a major challenge in, in our lives, and that is, again, the ability to be alone with, with the Rebbeinu Shalom. The, the, many of the, the Svarim, just to give two examples, if you take a look in the, one of the, the, the mainstays of, of the Hasidish literature, the Noam Eli Melech, so the Noam Eli Melech has a, has a tzetel cotton. And one of the pieces of, of advice that he gives in this tzetel is that whenever a person is, is free for a moment, so a person should think about Avas uh, Hashem, he should think about his willingness for Kiddush Hashem, a person should think about the Sheish Mitzvah's Tmidios, and the exact same Hadrocha you find again, it's in many Svar, but just to give one, one example from, from the other part of the world, Neafi Kayam, also one of the, the Gedolim in the in, in, in the pre, uh, pre-Second World War in Europe, also the same thing. A person has time, so he should stop, he should think about the Sheish Mitzvahs Tmidios, about Anuchi Hashem Elokecha, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, Avas Hashem, Yiras Hashem V'chulu. It's not good to be busy all the time with other things. A person is supposed to be comfortable 
being not busy, because when a person is not busy, so then in an unmediated way, without distractions, he can relate directly to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's also another one of the challenges posed. And then the final, the final area which perhaps needs to be highlighted is, I can't quote you any uh, any studies or statistics to, to prove this, um, but my unscientific impression is that the that the volume of chatter in the world has increased exponentially with the invention of cell phones. Once upon a time, whatever we needed to say, so actually we we uh, we managed to say. When we, when we were at home, if we needed to make a phone call, we made a phone call. Now, and again, this is sort of part of the previous issue we mentioned, people are always talking. I'm convinced that we talk, I don't know how much more, but tremendously more than, than we ever spoke before, before cell phones were invented. I'm a little less convinced that we have that much more worthy to say. It's just that, again, instead of... Uh, Instead of thinking, instead of uh, being misboning a little bit like the Mesil Sisham with which we began, like uh, what the Noam Elimelech tells us, so you, you pull out the, the, the cell phone. Another casualty in, in terms of that increased um, speech and, and, and the cheapening of speech which, which results from it is, is also that, that we've lost our sense of privacy. Once upon a time, what people would only talk about in private, so now with the cell phone, so often with the cell phone, so you're not necessarily in a private secluded area. You're not in a phone booth with... Um, you're not in a phone booth with the, 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 the door closed. And people, without, uh, without batting an eyelash, talk about all kinds of drums, just within everyone's earshot. There's been a loss of a sense of, of, of sneers. So these are some of the, the, the issues which, which the, 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 the new technology uh, challenges us to confront.